comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hola <laughs> out now is a film podcast with abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers box office results and predictions a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week games and other fun stuff this is episode 94 oh 94 yeah getting up there getting up there and yeah, and today we are talking about the new film Oz, the Great and Powerful, from director San Raimi, starring James Franca. <laughs> I think that's how he, that's how you say it, right, Franca? <laughs> and um, j- joining us, joining us to discuss Oz, the Great and Powerful, we have writer for Outlier Producer Blog and an aspiring mission slash magician slash con man, Stephen Gibbler. Hi guys. And we have a comedian from Uninformed Opinions Weekend and the Weekend Confirmed podcast and Double Jump, the hipster witch of the West, Christian Spicer. Yeah, too cool for school unless it's witch school. <laughs> then I'm on board. <laughs> that was cool. We should freestyle rap. I might just, I might do that. Mm. Keep it going. No, I might just like show. Everything needs to rhyme. If not, we don't have the time to talk about our views, maybe the news, and kick it with something that rhymes with Oz. <laughs> or the, or, or pause. The news. <laughs> there it is. Take a dramatic pause because we're talking about Oz. Boom. <laughs> drop the mic. You're going to hear that remix into like a... Uh, I hope so. An wow. awesome beat. That's our, that's our 100th episode surprise. It's just Christian Spicer's rap. <laughs> Okay, so for those still listening, we are talking about Oz the Great and Powerful today. And, um, and uh, before we get underway here, let's uh, let's go through some announcements. Um, last week I announced the Skyfall contest, the Skyfall Blu-ray giveaway contest, which is, of course, not open to the guests of the show, so don't you guys try. But oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to say that out now or else, you know, people, they just, you guys start just writing in because you already know the answers. But, um... Yeah, it was two questions to email in at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. What was our first episode, and did you like that movie? And, out of curiosity, what was the first episode you listened to? Very simple questions. All you have to do is email in at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, and you could possibly win a Blu-ray copy of Skyfall. So, that said, what else we got? Uh, new commentaries coming soon. People seem to like this commentary, so we're going to keep delivering on them, and they're... They have to do with upcoming films coming out very soon. Oh, it's so. fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've got some cool stuff in store. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, 100th, 100th episode. I'll keep teasing it because it, it's coming. 
it's going to be only six more. It's it's either going to be incredibly exciting or a huge letdown based on all the preemptive talking of I've done of it. So there you I go. think you guys should just skip it and go ninety nine to one oh one. That would be great. And we just ask all our listeners like, why didn't you guys write back about our hundredth episode? Yeah, it, it'd be like teasing who Cartman's real father is, and then having a Terrence and Philip episode instead. Beautiful. Did I make <laughs> some lost episodes? Did I make a fourteen-year-old South Park joke? It's here and there. The lost, like stuff. The lost episode edition. <laughs> That's a clever one too. <laughs> so tune in <laughs> six six weeks or so from now and find out if we actually have a hundredth episode. Um, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's always welcome. We're always welcome to get those. It helps out the show. Makes. It, it makes it easy. It makes it, it makes it easy for us to keep doing this because we're like, hey, people like us. That's great. But more importantly, tell a friend. That's all you really have to do. You know, iTunes is tricky, but telling a friend that's simple, right? Abe? Yeah, it is. Or or your parents. You know, I don't know. We I I, we I hear appreciate parents, the demographic. Parent parents, I think, corner the market on out now. They're in a name, so. So let's uh, let's move on here. Let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a few questions to kind of set the tone for the podcast, so better get to know everybody. And I'm going to let Abe start this one off this week. Cool, Christian. The chances that Zach Braff screen tested for the role of Oz, or I guess the percentage. Oh, what? If, that wasn't a question. That was just a statement. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. what? What is the percentage of? I don't know predictability that Zach Braff tested for the screen role or for the role of eyes. Um, I would say 10%. It, oh. So unlikely that he screen tested. Um, I imagine he might've done voice testing to see if that fit. Cause I think, I don't know. I think they cast him more for his voice than his, his charming good looks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. like to think that Abe spent a lot of time on that question, which wasn't even a question initially. <laughs> it was a statement. <laughs> But I just forgot the, the qualifying what. Thank you, Alex Trebek. Okay. <laughs> Did he give a percentage? I don't know if he gave. He, he, gave, he said ten. He said ten percent. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. What are the chances <laughs> that the company behind the special effects for Oz will win an Oscar and then go out of business? <laughs> hmm go out of business. Well, it is Disney, and I like to think that they keep a good eye on there. <laughs> That's right, your time has been cut off. Thank you for answering. Sorry, Aaron, it's over. Did you, did you say win an Oscar or nominated for not Win an Oscar, is that what you said? Well, I was just making light of the fact that... Okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that said, yeah, I do. I think, I think they'll stay in business, because you have to make Oz 2 still Oz and <laughs> straight, straight, straight to DVD. Like all Disney sequels. It's actually a hip hop sequel. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's gonna be like the rap sequel. It's a pre, it's a prequel to the Wiz. <laughs> I'm on board. Yep. Uh, Stephen. Yes. All right. Um, I'm at. It's my. I'm at. It's my turn to ask a question. I'm just asking. I'm directing it at you, bro. Bro. I know, right? <laughs> that was my shout out. Bro treatment. When did we start using that? That was my shout out to Alan. Um, <laughs> Would you buy a timeshare in Oz? Ooh, I'm firmly against timeshares in general. They're a trap. So this is a tough one. <sighs> you you can't ever buy a timeshare. Those things suck you right up. Once you once you're in, you're trapped. And there's no way. I I'm against timeshares for anything. So as much as I liked Oz, never, ever, ever get a timeshare. Ever. In anything. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fervent response on that one. <laughs> now it's you, Steve. Alright, okay, good. Um, who is this question uh, directed to? Anyone, Anyone you want. Alright, Christian. Um, yes, sir. Where, what was James Franco's mental state as he acted throughout Oz? Uh, I would say he was pretty not high through most of Oz. He seemed like his, he was pretty there. I would say he was probably just, uh, you know, happily medicated. <laughs> Makes you curious on what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anything. Probably just marijuana. Maybe just like a, you know, a morning blunt. Mm. Like that's it. Just something to get him going. Even him out for a little bit. He definitely, not nearly as high as like, what was it, 2010 Oscars that he hosted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I clarify something real quick? Um, I'm I'm as I'm James Franco's assistant at USC. So <laughs> does that mean that he has multiple assistants at different universities? Just he's, a, he's a teaching. I'm not saying anything when I remain quiet at all. It, it, he teaches or he guest professors at at USC. No, he teaches, he yeah. teaches USC. Oh. He's a feature film. He's a Renaissance man. He's financing it, and uh, he's got a bunch of kids to direct it, and I'm his assistant. So so you roll up his blunt every morning for him. I'm confused as to where this is going. Silence is cool. <laughs> just, there's, a, there's, a, there's an NDA on Franco. Uh, right. On disclosure. If Can't, Dave shows up, then you know that he rolls up the blunt for them both. <laughs> I really do love the man, though. Like, I mean, it's easy to make light of him, but he's very open about his um, enjoyment of, of marijuana, or has been. But seriously, he does everything. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was at Sun, we were at Sundance and like he, he had a couple of films out. One of them was um, Interior Period Leather Bar, yeah. And it was a gay S and M film, pretty much. And uh, I don't know what the PG rating is for this podcast, but it went down. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. So hey, he does everything, like and no matter what, he, he's into it. He he is into it. Um, Abe. Yeah. Out of every Sam Raimi movie that you've seen, where does Oz fall in terms of scariness for kids to watch? Abe has not seen that. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that many. I'm going to say that it... Okay, well, we can eliminate the Sam Raimi requisite. Then, like, what age group would you think would be appropriate, like, kids to go see Oz? I think, uh, I certainly think that eight and over is, is certainly appropriate to see Oz. I think that it's not... Too scary. There are like a maybe a, a couple of jump scares here and there, um, but I think overall everyone who is above eight would have a good time. I mean, what follow up question? Why do you suck at life and haven't seen the Evil Dead trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to start watching that because we have to do the review for the new one. And I was telling Aaron earlier, I was like, what you, I'm kind of spooked out. Good job using the royal we on that one because I <laughs> oh yeah Aaron, Aaron has seen them all and he he lucidly dreams about all of them practically too <laughs> yeah. oh my god <laughs> but yes I will I will follow up on that um, and I'll, I'll let you know Christian I'll like tweet at you <laughs> okay sounds I'll, good I'll throw a shout out to friend of the show Scott Mendelson who brought his five year old daughter to Oz and she quite enjoyed it oh nice okay. yeah right. so even lower than than what I was guesstimating. I mean, she hasn't slept since she saw it, but like, <laughs> when she saw it, 
<laughs> that's only because that's only because she just she just jumps around the room trying to fly and doesn't quite. Make oh. It. <laughs> All right, uh, Stephen. Yes. So disappointment level of Zach Braff after learning he did not win the role of Oz. <laughs> is, is that did he go he, out for he it? Just, he was, I, don't, uh, I don't know. I'm just, no, he didn't. But I like this question. Here's, here's, here's Zach's opinion because I, I went to a private screening and Zach Braff was there and he talked about it after. Yeah. And he said he was just happy to play the monkey. So I don't know if his disappointment level even registered at the scale. He was just happy. To play a CGI monkey. That's just all PR stuff. I think I heard a hashtag humblebrag in there. <laughs> Damn it. Fuck. How come he even answers every question by bragging about how his connections to the industry? <laughs> it's, it's the first two. The first two questions. Stephen, question. Uh, question. Quick question for you. Please quickly list all of your bragging connections to the industry. I'd love to hear them. That's not. <laughs> I think I think it's uh, I, I think it's writer for Outlier Producer Blog Stevens turned out some questions. <laughs> I love that we're insulting our guest for like the, only, his only second appearance on this show. <laughs> we're just like <laughs> <laughs> like We do apologize. Sort of. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. He's uh, on his way. He, he could possibly make it to the Five Timers Club. Yes, I made an SNL joke because I really like that episode. Go on. <laughs> nope, that was it. Nothing. I'm done. Yeah, do you have another question? Yes, all right. Um, Go ahead. So, overall, do you think, um, really, after seeing Oz, that CGI, I mean, 3D is here to stay? Because, you know, obviously 3D had a couple of periods in film history where it came and then sort of drifted off. Is it here to stay after sort of seeing Oz and some of these other films that have been coming out recently? I would say, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily dependent on Oz, but I would say that, I don't think 3D is going anywhere for a while until they find something else that they can milk more out of in terms of hey you should pay a pre- you should pay a premium price to see the movie in this format just cuz you know you know they're not they're not exactly building more giant IMAX screens to overtake the idea of hey this is why you need to go to the movies so 3D seems like the this is the format that you can see the biggest and best here in this way so so with that said, I'd like to think that 3D can only get better and make it, you know, make you feel worthwhile in seeing it in that format as opposed to, hey, it just happens to be this way, and uh, there's no 2D showing, so damn it, I'm screwed. I got to go see it this way. But I'll yeah, I, I agree too. With with the way computer generated technology is these days, I just think it's going to stay and get better and better. Yep. Okay, when we get to the movie, I'll talk about my opinions on the 3D in this film in particular. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Abe. Yeah. We saw a witch fly on something in this movie. What would you fly on? Oh, great question, Totoro. <laughs> like the actual Totoro. Yeah, just, like, you, you could just cling onto his fur, and he just like will take you anywhere and grow trees in your backyard. You've heard it first. Abe is a Klingon. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so I think that brings us to the end of No Everybody, and um, that's going to take us into out now quickies. TM. Out no quickies every week we try to talk about one movie in particular, but there are a lot of movies that come out every week and we don't always have time to talk about all of them, so that's why we have a segment called Out Now Quickies. Yeah. Is that pretty good this week? That I think, was Abe. good. Yeah. <laughs> kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Okay. Uh Steven, have you seen any other movies recently that you want to bring up quickly? Yes, I saw uh, Snitch and Escape from Earth yesterday. And uh Snitch is surprisingly pretty good. Uh, the characters really um uh, specifically Dwayne Johnson. 
I believe it's a Wayne Johnson. The D is silent. <laughs> yeah. The thing about that film, it's not an action film um, by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually really a deep character film of characters who really believe in the U.S. government and their war against the drug cartels and are willing to work with them. And it sort of twists into something where they find that they are just as trapped and helping the U.S. government as they are would be working for the cartel. So it's really fascinating, and it really makes the war on drugs seem very different than what you've sort of seen. So I was impressed. That was Escape from Planet Earth? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was Snitch. Okay, yeah, I I haven't gotten to check out Snitch yet, but, yeah, I've heard heard good things about it. And I like like Wayne Johnson to be a silent. I I, uh, also Escape from uh, Planet Earth, I thought, was visually stunning. It looked great. They really made a polished product, but they're off for jokes the entire time. The editing, the uh, writing, they just kept missing the beat for jokes. And it had a lot of rehashment of the same old colorful animal-esque sidekicks throughout the whole thing. And it was well done, but it was really missing the soul of really a great comedy or a great family film. All right. Uh, Christian, any uh, movies you checked out this week? I have actually rewatched every Alien movie, um, and I know they're not new by any means, excluding Prometheus because that doesn't count. And I, I've had the Blu-ray, you know, the nice fancy collection sitting by my TV for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this weird state now where I don't know. I, I tweeted them out. Uh, I don't know how to rank the Alien movies anymore. Like Alien is clearly number one, but after that, I feel like they all kind of have problems. And I started debating myself whether or not Resurrection is the second best movie or if Aliens is. Like, Alien 3 doesn't count because it's it's not that great. But Resurrection is is pretty horrible, but Aliens is also kind of horrible. Like, it's great if you – I don't know. It's just such a period film, I feel like. I don't think it holds up as well as Alien. Like, it's clearly that early 90s, late 80s action film which is great. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But I think watching it again, I was kind of – I was surprised how much uh, I it wasn't far and away like, this is amazing. Um, what's, anyway, commend- what's commendable about Resurrection? It brings it back down to the characters, I feel like, where you have an interesting uh, – it makes it – well, one, so it makes the aliens cool and uh, Resurrection – I mean in, in three – I didn't think that one alien was all that cool, partly because the CGI just looks very dated now. Um, and it was just kind of, oh, it's evolved and it's weird. Whatever. Not that great. Resurrection, you get to learn that they're, you know, it plays with them being smart again, which in aliens, they're not that smart. They It, it hints at it like, oh, they've learned because they go around the gun and then they climb up on the thing. But they also just, a lot of them get blown the fuck up. Uh, and in Alien Resurrection, like, every alien is a badass in and of itself. The I think the most annoying part of Resurrection is how the, you know, the queen birthed alien looks. I think it looks kind of stupid. It has, like, a nose. That's the worst little part is its little nose. And then the whole, like, Sigourney Weaver, like, orgy love. Like, I understand it's her baby and it's, like, supposed to show love, but it's, like, kind of creepy. When it shows them like hugging and licking and stuff, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, but I think absolutely. How they 
how they reshot those in a less like orgasmy type way and just like oh a mother and her child kind of love it could maybe work and it has some good i mean it's it's joss whedon and it has some nice joss moments in it that like strong female characters um funny i think little aside i think ron perlman is is pretty fantastic in it and it's not perfect but neither is aliens and i think a lot of people are going to hate me for saying that but that's that hmm. It's because I don't want to fly too far down this hole. What did you think of Prometheus? I thought it was beautiful and ultimately pointless. Alrighty. If you read, the, there's an original script for it that I think is, I think we might have talked about this. I think uh, so, possibly. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Uh, it's a shame that it that it didn't get made. I, I, just, I didn't think Prometheus, it, it built up, built up, built up to kind of nothing. All right, Abe, quickies. Nothing this week. Hmm. Nothing. Yeah. All right. I uh, I saw Dead Man Down. That's the uh, the film with Colin Farrell and Dead Man. Pass. Wow. Yes, I'd be Dead Man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's a it's a it's not it's not very good. Oh. It it it's it's okay. It's a decent B movie up until the end when it just kind of unravels and says, "Let's go about having the easiest way out of this movie instead of something more clever." Um, I also saw the new film uh, from Shane Carruth, who did Primer, Upstream Color. And uh, if, if you like the complexity of Primer, then you will like the complexity of Upstream Color. It is That is a that is a movie you have to be in the right mood to watch, that's for sure. <laughs> Hard to describe. So a James Franco tried, kind of mood? I haven't even tried writing about it yet. Oh. It's a, <laughs> but there you go. All right. It's out now, Quickies. Yeah. Let's get to movie trailer talk. Each week we discuss some of the newest trailers of the week and what we think of them. And we got two, uh, well, we always have two. We have two trailers to talk about. And the first one is the epic conclusion to the trilogy that no one really asked for initially, <laughs> most likely. Hangover, part three, still hanging. And um, so, yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, uh, Christian, what do you think of the trailer for Hangover, part three? I, d I can't tell if it's a joke or not, but in the trailer, it's, you know, the epic conclusion to the trilogy or something like that. And one, I just feel like, did they plan for this to be a trilogy? No, I, there's no way this was a, a planned trilogy, right? And two, I, I don't know if I hold them to this being a trilogy. I think that this is a hit again and, and gets better critical critic reviews than part two did. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another hangover. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, like... Finally, we see how it ends. Wait a minute. How what ends? I, was, I wasn't I was left hanging after any hangover like, oh, my God, what happens to these characters? Where is Carrot Top now? <laughs> yeah, but I do think it's nice that they're back in Vegas. Um, you know, I think that's kind of fun. Now that they left for part two and they came back. I think the trailer makes it look almost more like an action movie than a comedy. I don't think there were really any moments that brought on big laughs in the trailer, but there was a lot of gunplay. So I think it's interesting, the tone they're setting. Steven? I'm just, I'm off the train. I'm over two right now, so let's see how I screw this one up. <laughs> um, I'm off the train for the hangover. Like, I just, I, it, I'm not interested in Vegas. After seeing part two, just get me out of here. Like, no more. I mean, I heard something about them doing something in Tijuana, for a while, but it doesn't seem like it seems like going back to Vegas. But they're, it's just, it's old. It's, it's all the same stuff, the same gross out crap. 
It's just, I'm not into it. No. I think that, uh, after two, there's only up that they can go. So, I, I'm not uh, as excited for number three either, and I think that they, uh, I'm not even sure what the real premise is. Um, and that weird giraffe joke was kind of, that was a weird placement of it. So, I, I it seems that they're going younger and younger with the audience that they're trying to target, because the first one was pretty okay. And or are you just getting older and older? That's true too. Boom. Boom. Jeff Changin. Um, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, this one just feels like 21 and over, except for, you know, same writers or, I guess, same producers and some crap like that. But yeah, I'm not that excited for it. Um, uh, but prove me wrong and I'll be very, I'll be very pleased. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, like, it's the movie I need to see this year, but <laughs> I'd like to think that they'll, they at least know that they have to mix it up from part two. Like, part two was, you know, spoilers for part two if you've seen part one because it's the same movie. I like to think it's not going to be the same exact movie again. And, I mean, the, the giraffe joke made me laugh. Right, that's, uh, I don't know. I'm not, like, you know, thrilled. But, Animal killer. But between the giraffe joke and the Harry Potter spoof poster, I it, it, Hangover <laughs> Hangover Part Three made me chuckle twice this week. So I was like, okay, you've you've done well enough. So we'll see. Uh, Hangover opens, of course, on May on Memorial Day weekend, along with Fast Six, Fast and Furious, Oof, yes. and um, Epic making it again, as I said last week with Alan, the biggest bro weekend of 2013. Moving on, next trailer we have Monsters University. This is, of course, the most wanted prequel in the Pixar universe. The story of how Sully and Mike became scaring partners in crime, or however you want to phrase it. <laughs> um, but yeah, prequel to Monsters, Inc. Lots of animation and color and college hijinks probably ensuing. Maybe better than 21 and over. We'll see. Abe, what did you think of the trailer? I thought it was okay. I, I didn't really think that... Uh... You know, I think we've talked about this before on the show where essentially, you know, it's hard to do prequels or sequels to comedies because you kind of have to either up the stakes or make it completely different or, you know, you can't really revel in the, the world that you've already created. Um, Are you a Monsters Inc. I am, yeah, actually, I am. Although Finding Nemo is probably my favorite. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It feels as though you kind of get a, an entire glimpse of everything that's going to unfold in the movie in this trailer. So... You know, I'm gonna go see it, and I think those give me a lot of clever jokes. But I think you ultimately know where it's going because you already know the outcome of their friendship. One eats the other, of course, <laughs> and then he has his twin brothers. Like, hey, my name's also Mike. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Steven, what did you think of the trailer? Um, it's here. I actually count me as an skeptic because after Cars two, and I know Brave one, uh, best animated feature. I was not impressed by it, and I know for a lot of people that was a bit of an upset. It was certainly the lowest on my list of those nominations. Yeah, yeah, and so after those two films, I think if this film doesn't do well, there's going to be a lot of question marks starting to circle around Pixar because it's a bit of a risk. As you said, a prequel comedy, I mean, I have some concerns, and those concerns aren't from the trailer. The trailer looks like a decent, fun family film. It's just their last two projects have been really questionable, and this doesn't have anything in it that would wow me the same way like Wally wowed me when I saw the trailer, or, or so on and so forth. Christian, 
Has Pixar before the Disney merger be kind of became official? Were they on an annual release cycle like they seem to be now? Yeah, they uh, were. The only yeah. the, the yeah. only the only gap between was like between Toy Story and A Bug's Life. That was the only time there was like a big gap in between films. Okay. So since well, then it's been consistent. I don't know. I thought the trailer was fine. With the Pixar movies, I remember like when Toy Story first came out, seeing it and being kind of blown away by the animation. And now I'm sure that Monsters University looks a million times better than Monsters Inc. But it almost looks like how I remember Monsters Inc. looking. So now I, I feel like in other animation studios have kind of caught up with Pixar with great, uh, you know, computer animation and, and good films. I know it's old, but you know, How to Train Your Dragon is fantastic. It looks great. It's funny. It's heartwarming. It's all of those yeah. things. I'm a big fan of the original Kung Fu Panda. And so now I see this and I don't think, oh my God, it's another Pixar. I see it and go, oh yeah, it's another movie or whatever. And that's kind of how the trailer made me feel like I've never been real attached to those characters of Mike and Sully. And, um, yeah, it just seemed, it's fine. I think it's an effective trailer. It shows good parts of the film and lets you know where the trail, where the movie's going to go without giving away what are hopefully the biggest gags in the movie. Um, and it, hopefully it's fun, but I'm just, I'm personally kind of like, eh, for the movie itself. Yeah, I'm, um, <clears throat> for Monsters, Monsters Inc. for me, I don't, I like Monsters Inc. quite a bit, but I don't hold it as high as uh, a good number of other Pixar movies. I tend to put it in that kind of second tier of like, hey, this one happened too. But I do like those characters, I like those characters, they're not ones that I'm like, oh man, what, what's Sully up to right now? <laughs> Although I wonder if I, I should start thinking like that, because I probably have a good time with it. But I, you know, Killer Crystal, Johnny, yeah, what? Killer Crystal. <laughs> well, come on, if you spent part of your day thinking, what's Sully up to? You probably have a good time thinking about that. He's just, just running Monsters Inc. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but you know, what's his day like? He's just hanging out, like, hey, did you make that guy laugh today? Oh, you betcha. But like, but I mean, I like, I like this cast. I, I mean, it's just, basically the same cast as the, as the first film, but uh, I like these people, and I, I think that, if anything, this is probably a safer bet for Pixar coming off of, like, Cars 2 and Brave, just because I know, like, their next couple films, they have some original ideas that would be more of a risk, so, I mean, if they didn't pan out, then then I'd be more worried about where Pixar could go from there, but this seems like, hey, you got the goal, you got the old gang back together, it's characters, people, like, Monsters, Inc. is a very popular Pixar film, I mean, it, and aside from, you know, Cars 2, I would the Pixar sequels, I mean, the Toy Story trilogy, the which had the epic conclusion, um, was, uh, you know, that was very successful for them. So I'd like to think they're trying to go after that kind of same model. So I'd like, you know, I'd like, it's it's not like the Pixar movie I need to see, but I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll probably enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it well enough. It's Did like I, Incredibles 2, where, like, I am fired up for that. Uh, if, yeah, if there would be an Incredibles 2, it would be like, oh my god, but then it'd probably massively disappoint everybody. So Exactly. <laughs> but, um, I think it's going to be called Too Incredible, or too Fast and Too, in too Incredible. <laughs> incredible, that's it. It's Incredible. Incredible. Is Paul Walker in that one? Wait, 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 yep. wait to form that joke while talking. Well, that's, come on, that's that's what podcasts <laughs> that are good. for. That was it. You know, towards the end of this podcast, we'll have some comedy gold. But right now, we're still feeling it out. Guys. <laughs> just wait, just wait. All right. So, uh, Monsters University has come out on uh, June twenty first, ringing in the summer. Boom! Just bringing it in. Okay, so that brings us to the end of trailers. Let's get to our main film review for Oz: The Great and Powerful with James Franco. 
Theodore the Good Witch. Where's your broom? You don't know much about witches, do you? The Emerald City. You are here at last, and the prophecy shall be fulfilled. This is my sister, Evanora. I'm here to serve you. The royal treasure of Oz. It belongs to you, but only after you defeat the Wicked Witch. Just how wicked is she? Towns were destroyed. <laughs> Children were orphaned. A great wizard from Kansas. I've waited for you to come and set things right. Me? Did those crows just say we're gonna die? Your magic is the only thing strong enough to save us all. Please tell me you gentlemen can fight. No. Don't be saying. Guys, uh, take five. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Oz the Great and Powerful. This is the new film based in the world of Oz, uh, somewhat of a prequel to the Wizard I guess it is a prequel to the Wizard of Oz, just not directly. And it features uh, James Franco as Oscar Diggs, who is a struggling magician in 1905, Kansas, who he, he wants to accomplish more in his life, even though he's just kind of a flim flam man. And uh, he gets his chance when a tornado magically transports him into the land of Oz. I hate when that happens. And uh, there he meets a number of people, including a couple of a couple of, of witches, uh, one played by Mila Kunis, one played by Michelle Williams, one played by Rachel Weisz as well as some other animated creatures, including a flying monkey and a tiny China girl doll. James Franco is tasked with becoming the true wizard of Oz and freeing the people from the evil, wicked witch who... I don't know what she really does. She just seems to kind of threaten people with monkeys. But regardless, lots of magical mayhem ensues. Stephen, what did you think of Oz the Great and Powerful? Um... I went into it with moderate expectations. Uh, apparently, word, you know, I was talking to some people about it, and they weren't too excited and thrilled about it, so I went into it and watched it. The first 20 minutes, I was concerned. Um, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of the black and white uh, world that they really had in the beginning, but once they really got into Oz and the story, I was fortunate in that. I haven't heard much, so all the spoiler stuff that people are talking about, I didn't know about. And it does a great job of going in different directions than you think it should go. And it actually plays around that. And I really did enjoy the not knowing what was happening in a script that wanted to go in directions where you weren't totally expecting it. Visually, it was stunning. I thought it was great. Um, I thought... Um, Franco, as the movie went on, started to get into the part. In the beginning, it, you know, because you're, you're trying to make a character that's likable, uh, but is sort of a womanizer slash common magician, and it, it wasn't quite working on in the beginning. But as time went on, they did an awesome job, really bringing that character together. Um, I'll say a couple more things while you guys sort of jump in and yeah. weigh in with your opinions, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Christian, what do you think? So I, I too went in. Well, I, I mean, I had seen Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes reviews for it, which were kind of middle of the road, um, and I wasn't expecting much. But I, I also thought the, the think the film is beautiful, and I actually really enjoyed the black and white um, segments of the film. And I saw it in 3D, and so the black and white segments of the film are it looks like four by three. Exactly. Yeah. 
And but some of the 3D effects come out of that box, which I thought was some of the most effective 3D, where it was subtle, but snowflakes or debris would kind of come out of that four by three, you know, boxing yeah. uh, framing of the picture. It plays and around I, with the plays around with the aspect ratio, something like like Life of Pi did something like that too. It's yeah, right. And I think stuff like that is cool versus like the hat that gets flown right at you, kind of like cheesy right. 3D effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the, the plot and the progression, it's a, I think a really effective prequel to a, you know, that sets up whether or not Disney makes a sequel to this, or if this just plays into the unofficial, you know, what, 1939 or whatever, um, Wizard of Oz, it sets up those characters well in a believable way, but it's still fun to watch and it makes fun of, um, the original Wizard of Oz being, you know, a musical in its progression a little bit, but it still, it respects the source material. And I, I love James Franco. I think he's fun in almost everything he does. I think he's a likable guy. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is how much I liked Michelle Williams, mm. um, in her role, because I remember when she was cast, I thought it was kind of an odd casting, but I think, she plays the role really well. Um, I think she looks great in the costuming and everybody kind of, you know, looks right in the world. And I'm just continually shocked that she's the most successful uh, Dawson's Creek alum because I never would have guessed that uh, when I was hanging out by the creek. <laughs> Abe, your thoughts? I thought it was a fun movie. Uh, I thought that it, I, too, was really on the fence uh when the trailer came out, because I was thinking, this just looks like it's going to play it up for cheese and laughs and some simple stuff here and there. But what I really enjoyed a lot was the world building. Um, and I was really, really impressed by how far that they took that, which is they t- they show you different parts of the of Oz and different people. And it really allows you to really understand how beautiful that, that world is and how kink or quirky it is. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I, I, I think that James Franco was okay, and I think that he was. Uh, um, I do agree with Stephen. He he kind of got better as the as the film went along. But um, you know, I do appreciate him uh, in all his works, all, all the works that he does, um, and even outside of out of movies. You know, he's always like studying and getting more PhDs. But um, you can never have too many. Yeah, you can never have too many doctorate degrees, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, the film itself. Yeah, I, I think that it was a pleasant surprise, and I would definitely, you know, recommend it to people um, of all ages because of the fun fantasy adventure. And uh, I just was having a great time at the end when, um, you know, they they had their plan in motion, and you see the smoke and stuff. I, I just thought that was fantastic. It's kind of like it was just really fun, and it was a simple, you know, uh, plan, but at the same time, it was just just well done, well executed. And there's a lot of, um, you know, I guess emotional things at play during the film too. I mean, you know, we talked about the, the China girl earlier and, you know, the monkey and, you know, there's a lot of levity with him and some serious stuff. Uh, but two last things, just Rachel Weiss looks really amazing. She, I don't know. She's incredibly hot in this movie and yeah, Michelle Williams. That's just, that's just true. That's just a true. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. Daniel Craig is a lucky man. Um, and, uh, yeah, Michelle Williams, kudos. She played the role incredibly fantastic, um, you know, in terms of, like, emotional expressions and her delivery of lines and the way that her character is supposed to be, you know, with the whole entire note killing and all the other stuff. It's really well done. 
Abe, you mentioned a, a simple plan that they come up with, and a simple plan is a fantastic Sam Raimi movie. And with that said, Sam Raimi <laughs> is someone I put a lot of faith in in wanting to like this movie, and I was all ready to defend myself, but you guys all really like the movie, so that makes me happy because I also had a really fun time in this. And I think I think it comes from me seeing Raimi's passion in making this movie. It feels very apparent that he wanted to be involved in this Oz world, and he wanted to show what he can bring to it and he does so by making a very sam raimi movie that happens to be made under the guise of a disney film it's i mean it's uh, army of darkness it is it's, say it. it's exactly army of dark it'll be my movie callback but it the movie's plot is literally army of darkness there's even an article i think on critic wire i think uh that has all the all the similarities to the film army, army of darkness and I mean, when what, James what, Franco says, good, bad, I'm the guy with the magic, I was like, really? <laughs> like... When he said, this is my Oz stick, that's what really took me off. <laughs> but um, and he pulls out his penis, it's really weird. What, but it's... <laughs> what movie is this? <laughs> good for nine-year-olds. This movie is good for nine-year-olds. Yeah. But, but I grow um, up at some point. Yeah, but no, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It is like, once I clicked into the fact, it's like, this movie is really Army, this is just Army of Darkness. I like clicked into that about like a third of the way through. It's like, I get exactly what this movie is. And I, I just really enjoyed what was happening. I actually, I agree with Christian. I actually did enjoy the black and white opening quite a bit. I, I mean, even the opening credits I was really into. Just, I did see the movie in 3D as well. I think the 3D is well utilized here. This is one of the few films that I'd recommend to see in 3D. I think it actually makes good use of the format in the ways that Christian's already described. But the film itself, yeah, it's very, it's very Raimi. I love that he has this, you know, he has this giant budget because that's what Disney gave him to make this giant colorful Oz world come to life. But in doing that, he's, it's allowed him, similar to something like with Tintin, how Spielberg was kind of able to embrace his Spielbergian camera senses in terms of like having an invisible camera to move anywhere he wants to. Raimi gets kind of the same chance to do so here in Oz. He gets to kind of, he does things that are very familiar for people that love Raimi films and kind of having a wacky camera that has lots of Dutch angles, lots of crazy zooms, lots of first-person shots. He does that here, but that is to do it in a way that's like he can zoom out all of a sudden and have just like all the all the see all the different effects going on in the background. So it just he he uses what he has well. Like it seems like a it seems like a movie that has all the money up up there on screen, mm-hmm. and I like that. I, it, it makes it. I, fe- I felt like I agree with Abe a lot because I do feel like the world building is very good here. I, I really like this cast of most of all. I really like, the, I mean, the women of Oz are, I, they were I, great. They, I they, thought all three of them were awesome the entire yeah. way. And I would, I would, they sh- were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would shout out Rachel Vise. I do think she's, she's, you know, in the kind of role that's, that's, that she's very, very able to play and Michelle Williams as well. I think she does a good job of kind of bringing out what, what what's required of Glinda. Mila Kunis is fine. I think there's, some issues with her that are more involving the plot rather than her acting ability, but I think she's good in the film. James Franco, I think he, I think he does a couple, some of the things required of his character very well and some of the things not as well as, as someone else of a slightly different persona could. Cause sure. I do like, I do like Franco. I, I think, I think he's very, a very good actor in the right role for sure. But, uh, knowing that like, I know like Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. was cast in this role before and had to bow out. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I feel like he could have really nailed this role. Like, I, I feel like I could have, I, I could see that happening in this movie. But with that That's said, what, the creepy old uncle that hits on 15 year old girls? Like, <laughs> the casting would have been different, I would say. Yeah, right. But, but, yeah, I would, I would, of this cast, I, I would, I would put Franco on top. But, um, that said, I do, I do, I do like a lot of what he was doing here. I like some of his, so, some of the kind of his, his huckster qualities when he's trying to show off certain aspects of his being a 
a magician kind of persona. But re- regardless, I, re- I I did have a lot of fun with this movie. I did. I think uh, there's an emotional core in one sequence which really sold me and pulled me around was a China doll sequence. I thought that was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed because Raimi took his time. I mean, if you, if you watch the way the scene goes, they're not rushing through. They're slowly working the relationship between um, Franco's character of Oz and Finley and this China doll uh, girl who they discover. I thought that was great. I mean, of all the special effects, there's some great emotional moments too. Yeah, that, yeah, I would agree. And that, and but with those effects, they are really good. Like the China doll effect is that's she's like a really, like the way that character comes together, it feels great. It, like it looks like a right. fully realized character that works not just because it's hey look at this CG thing, but because it, it has kind of the, the right voice acting's going with yeah. it, the right yeah. kind of sounds to like emphasize the fact that it's a China doll. On a witch hunt? No, you're just a little girl. I'm not as delicate as I look. That didn't hurt. I'm coming with you. Listen, we have one rule in show business. Never work with kids or animals. I'm already working with this thing. Relax. The answer's no. Oh, no. Don't, don't do that. You're fine. You're gonna leave me alone. Look, you're you're fine. On a road in the middle All of nowhere. All you have to do is take the yellow brick road. You'll get there. <laughs> crying again. What do I do? <laughs> oh no. Off. Come on. Off. <laughs> off of there. Please let yeah. me go. Get off. Yeah. No, get off I of there. I no dolls on the witch hunt. Fine! Fine! You wanna come? Come! We'll all go, it'll be a big party. Let's go kill ourselves a witch! It's really effective. And I would say the same about Finley. Like, I could yeah. easily see things... Finley things, was really funny. I could, I, I could easily see people writing it off as just annoying sidekick characters, but I do think they're both effective. I think. And, yeah, fin, Finley, I think he, he has... I like the jokes that he's selling. Like, it's certainly a family movie. It certainly skews towards family audiences overall. So, sorry, people that wanted a lot of dark humor in this movie, but, I mean, I think it works. Yeah, he loves bananas. Wait, I got it. Or turn around and go back. You'll come clean. You apologize for lying about being the wizard and for lying to that poor girl, okay? You gotta really seem contrite. You gotta sell it. Maybe you can even cry. Can you cry? I could cut up an onion. I'm not going back. We're gonna find this wicked witch, steal her wand... I'll get that big pile of gold, and you can have a nice pile of bananas, all right? Bananas. Oh, I see. Because I'm a monkey, I must love bananas, right? That is a vicious stereotype. You don't like bananas? Of course I love bananas. I'm a monkey. Don't be ridiculous. I just don't like you saying so. <laughs> Two things that you had brought up, which is uh, the 3D. I, I think that the 3D was... Uh, there, were, there were some scenes that were as well utilized. I, I do think that it was a better 3D film than most 3D movies. Um but I, I think that I was kind of ex, uh, half expl- or uh, waiting, I guess, for it to be a little bit more in-depth involved. Um, there were some cool stuff in the 4x3, just like what Christian had said, especially like with the, uh, the simple stuff. And also when he's like unfurling a rag at the screen, that was cool. Um, uh, but I like assume. Yeah, we're going to start using cool phrases like that. And the other one that he says. Uh, and the other thing is also... Uh, 
This is my Oz stick? Is that the other phrase? The no. <laughs> Mila Kunis thing, you had brought up earlier that, you know, some weird stuff in the plot uh, just doesn't drive their characters to be fully realized or whatever. But I do agree with that with uh, with James Franco and with Mila Kunis, which is just to say that I think that if you had developed their, I guess, past characteristics or future characteristics a little bit better, you, you'd have a, a fuller picture Um like a, a more broad sweeping and like a, like almost a complete film, but I think that well, that's where I think you need to have seen the prequel to this movie to fully understand it. And I'm pretty sure the prequel to this movie is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! That, <laughs> but if you take that, it kind of works. It kind of builds out this world a little bit. But I would love to see more of all you know the wonderful women of Oz because I do think that some of that. You just kind of go in, or it's just very shortly handled. Like, well, this happened, and you're like, oh, whoo, got rid of that. Here we go. Um, you know, like they, they talk about the king a lot and what the king meant and stuff like that. And it would have been cool to get some more about though. I, I guess that and what what the main differences between the three among the three were. And and so uh, I think that that's kind of one of the things that takes away from the film. But at the same time, the film in itself, I, I was just really involved with uh, where they were taking it. That I kind of just went along for the ride, and, uh, and I, was, I was pleasantly, uh, you know, pleased with it. So there's nothing wrong with what they did, um, but I could have used a little bit more of that just to, as an aside. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a similar issue that I have. I mean, I feel like I had a, I had enough fun with this movie to be able to go along with the ride, but I do think there are areas where the film, it tries to explain a lot, and it just doesn't feel like the energy's there. And I jump in? There's a reason yeah. why they couldn't do that, and it was sort of addressed after Warner Brothers owns the property, the original Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. and Disney does not. So they had it. They never mentioned the term Yellow Brick Road. Um, there's never a mention of the man behind the curtain, specifically because legally they couldn't do it. And that's why, even though this is a prequel, if you pay attention, there's a lot of specific references. No, you know, magic shoes, you know, red suit shoes or anything like that, because Warner Brothers was really strict with Disney about them being able to do anything reference-wise to uh, the original movie of Oz. Uh, so, you know, that's a major reason why they're never able to really fully jump in as a prequel to really connect the pieces together in a really form-fitting way. They, they couldn't do it legally. Yeah, and with that said, I mean, there's still some script issues, I think. Like, I don't think it's a perfect story. I mean, it, regardless of what you're allowed to say and do, I think I think it... It, it relies heavily on a very familiar plot. I mean, it is, as we said, it's Army of Darkness, which Army of Darkness isn't exactly the original story either. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, follows, it, follows, it, it follows this journey of this coward guy who tries to find his courage as he goes through and, you know, saves the day. By the way, I, didn't, I, I haven't made much mention of this, and I know other people have in various essays and stuff, but this movie, not the best movie for women, I would say. I mean, it, it, yes. it, it relies on a character who's a coward coming in and it, it relies these women waiting for a man to come in and save them. That's the movie. I mean, it, well, it, it doesn't need to be. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even right. go to that conclusion, actually. It, I mean, they're, they're, they're witches with magical powers and everything, yet they need this guy to come in, this guy who's not a real wizard at all. He needs, they need this guy to save them. Well, I think the, the prophecy was a wizard, and I don't know <laughs> if wizards can't be women in this world. Can't, are, are wizards always men, I guess? They apparently uh, can't be. I guess there's a wicked witch running around, and 
one of them is more wicked than the others. I mean, they probably they couldn't too, they couldn't. Also, that prophecy is strangely specific. <laughs> yeah. The prophecy says that a man will fall from the sky from Oz, from Kansas. It's like what? You see how uh, you see how you see how Army of Darkness is, is a man will fall from the sky and straight up. <laughs> now I got a question. I got a quick pronunciation question before the larger question. It's Jezebel, right, or Jezebel? Jezebel. 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 The it's the women's um, interest website, and they oh. really talked about how Frank L. Baum, who wrote the whole Oz world, and he wrote about twenty-two books, always had female characters as the main protagonists, maybe driving the story. And they, they really wrote how, like you're saying, this was a huge departure from anything Frank Baum ever did. Because he was a, when he wrote these stories, he was a huge a sort of modern-day feminist in support of women's suffrage. And he wrote stories of women overcoming all these things. And the movie like this is completely fundamentally different than what his really main articles and stories were all about. He's the original Joss Whedon? What? <laughs> And I mean, I bring this up, but it's not something that that it, well, I guess it, it slightly detracts from the movie. I don't think it's better because of it, but I mean, it it is something that kind of stuck out to me, where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, these <laughs> I see what this movie's doing, but it certainly you have three strong female characters, but their dependence on James Franco in a way that it feel it feels like because it's like a, a, a franchise that Disney wants to start up, they're playing a very safe route by doing that. I guess. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I never really saw that at all. I kind of just went along with it, and um, I think when you when you look into it on a you know, more detailed level, you can make uh, allusions toward anything, though. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that you know this is just out of hand. This is a child's movie. Forget about it. I you know your people are free to speculate and people are free to to write whatever they would please. But I just well, a, big, I a big deal was made out of Brave before it even came out about how it's the first female character and the finally a wolf, a princess movie where a female doesn't need to have a, a man in her life. She's using a bow and yeah. riding a horse. I think the other thing that's talked about Brave, just to sidetrack, is that people kind of didn't really like that mother-daughter relationship, which was upsetting oh. because oh. I love that relationship because uh, you don't see a lot of it. So I thought that that was the big, the big takeaway uh, from that Pixar film. Um, but yeah, I just went along with the adventure story. I just felt as though it's a it's a tale, and they're trying to tell you this uh, the story of you know a, a nation in disarray and someone who can come in and and save it, and not in terms of like a uh, you know I'm a male kind of thing, but just more of like his own redeeming efforts. Of he's got a lot of flaws, he's trying to work on them, and here's a chance to show that he's not uh, as uh, shallow as he once was. So I I just never took it as like oh well. They all need a dude in their life, and they'd all be happy. It just, it just never occurred to me, I guess. Uh, so, interesting I think thoughts. That when you, I, I'm not trying to dismiss the idea because I do think that in general Hollywood can do a better job with strong female characters and and not right. having things perceived or portrayed as sexist. But sometimes I feel like for story sake or simplicity, like the the wizard, the I mean, the world of Oz was built with these witches already existing, and if you're gonna do a prequel. And tell the story of the wizard. You know, you're, you're to some extent that world. Even though he might have written very strong uh, and great female leads, like this story almost required a male to be coming in. Whether or not he needed to be a savior or not is is you know can be argued. But I think um, as a helicopter flies over me, I think it, it'd be 
almost more jarring if, you know, the prophecy was a man or woman will fall out of the sky being either a wizard or a witch that will save us and like kind of leaving it gender uh, open could feel weirder or, or make the story more difficult than just it's simple. They simplified it. They wanted it to be about this wizard that is already a man. And now here we go. And yeah, that that does make sense to me as well. I mean, it. it I'd be curious to see, I guess, what it, what like a sequel would explore. I guess if if they wanted to kind of mix things up a bit. But yeah, it's 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 just something more more something I noticed than something that's like nagging at me of like, man, this movie really suffered because of this. It's not, yeah. That's certainly not the case because I did have a lot of fun just watching this movie. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I didn't really think about the entire movie either. It was after when you click around and see what people's responses are that you find stuff like that. Right. Hmm. Uh, one last thing I want to bring up: Danny Elfman tried in this movie. It's the, I, I really I, like the I, score. <laughs> I, I can't really play back the music in my head, but that China Doll music is, uh, or the music box stuff is, uh, that that stuck with me. It made me want to get the soundtrack, which I did. And music for this podcast will be provided by the Oz Great Powerful Soundtrack because I, I I actually like enjoyed the score by Danny Elfman here. Not to say that I haven't enjoyed the Danny Elfman scores, but he certainly, we all know that he's made memorable scores in the past and certainly hasn't done that as effectively in recent times. And I was happy that he always did some effective job here. Yeah. I feel like that anyway. I don't know if you guys do. All right. Um, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion. Unless anyone else has something to bring up. I'm curious in 20 years to see how good the CG looks. Because having just rewatched Alien, the Alien movies... Alien 1 remained so effective. It's a guy in a suit, but it shot well and shot around that. Alien 3, not as effective, because while at the time that was an amazing CG alien, now it looks like crap. And the original uh, Wizard of Oz holds up pretty well because it's people in suits and real-life little people and, you know, that world. And while this world looks great today, I'm curious if in 20 years' time you'll be able to see how bad the CG looks. And that's a question I don't think we can answer now, but one that I think filmmakers should be aware of going forward. Like just because we have green screens doesn't mean we should use them because it, it might look like crap. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting point. And I, I would only, I guess the only thing I could say just because obviously yeah, we can't speculate on where it would be 20 years from now, but I would say that the, the film certainly has a, a hyper realized environment going on. So it, I guess it's, it's, it's in a way, supposed to be obvious that these, some of these things can't exist. I guess that's the only kind of reflection I could have on it at this point. But yeah, I mean, you know, years from now, depending on where the state of CG environments go, things could certainly seem much more apparent in this film as opposed to Avatar 39. I don't know how it gets to 39 in <laughs> years, but... Is this Back to the Future Part 2 where it's like Jaws exactly. 19? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in 20 years, we're still on Avatar 2. I yeah, think we'll, we'll it's like James Cameron makes films. <laughs> 20 yeah. years, second one. I'll point two things out about the CG, though, just because I found this interesting. The way, um, and Stephen, you might know this already, too. The right. way the way um, um, Finley was created and the way China Girl was created, Finley, Zach Braff was on set the whole time. Like, he was wearing, like, a unitar, but they yep. had, like, a fake monkey, like, a fake monkey doll kind of thing. Okay. So, like, a puppet. And so, like, he was there to interact with Franco. Which I found to be interesting, just because he was actually uh, scrouched down on his knees mm-hmm. um, at about thirty-six inches off the uh, floor most of the time, and he said it, it was unbelievably painful. But Raimi refused to do motion capture; he, he was not aboard that at all. And mm-hmm. so instead, they just had people watch how uh, Zach acted facially, and they just copied it. And the uh, ch- an animation. And the China Girl was like a, a marionette puppet that they had. 
Right. Yeah. Yep. So I just found those things interesting because I do admire Ray. I do admire I do admire Raimi's work on this film. I think he does a good job of kind of. It it feels like a film he wanted to be a part of, as opposed to something like Alice in Wonderland, which I could describe in the movie callback section. Yes. <laughs> but um, Stephen, I know you got to get going here, so let's just rate the film really quick. Um, we have a scale on Out Now, Fair and Abe each week that des- that decides when you should go and see this movie, and our scale goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or just kind of forget about it. On that scale, Stephen, where would you put Oz the Great and Powerful? There's no 3D theater? Uh, it, it, IMAX 3D, 3D theater. <laughs> All right, we'll do, we'll do IMAX 3D. Uh, you want to see it in theaters. Um, the experience is much more vivid and interesting seeing it in 3D. Christian? I think if you have a family or kids, then it's theaters. If you don't, then it's Netflix. It's great, but you don't need to rush out and see it if it's just you. I think you can enjoy it at home. I think if you have kids, it's wonderful to see on the big screen because I think it will, you know, suck them into the world in a way that watching it at home won't. Abe? I'd say theater. It's certainly a solid, uh, solid pick in the theaters. Yeah, I'd say theater, theater too, and in 3D. Something I don't say often, but I, I enjoy the 3D in this film. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Stephen, if you want to take off here, you want to... All right, see you around, guys. Uh, any, anything you want to plug really quick? Tell us where we can find more of your work. Uh, yeah, no, I'll check my blog out, Outlier Producer. It's not that great right now, but it's got a, great, a lot of great statistical uh, sort of backgrounds on things that we see in the film industry, and I think it might be interesting for a couple people. Cool. Cool. All right, All you right. guys are great. The podcast is great, and I will see you guys later. Thanks. Check out my <laughs> All right, so let's move on to a movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we discuss a couple of movies that relate to the main film of the week in some way. And uh, I know I have a couple, but Abe, your thoughts? Uh, Steve Martin film, Leap of Faith. <laughs> and <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because of the prophecy of a man falling from the sky. And also Alice in Wonderland. But I think that uh, this one uh, overcomes a lot of the deficit that Alice in Wonderland had. Christian? I mean, um, we've talked about it, but I mean, it was just army of darkness over and over and over and over again. And then as I mentioned the prequel to it, um, line, the witch in the wardrobe in the sense that it's a fantastical world and outsiders coming in and realizing their place in it. I mean, it's a classic tale told over and over again. And for different reasons, those two films really sprung to mind when I watched this one. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, thought army of darkness, obviously I mentioned that already. I mean, it's, it's a, it has that very same story arc, and I feel like if this movie was made in like the mid '90s, Bruce Campbell could have crushed this role easily. Um, but yeah, Alice in Wonderland came to mind for I think obvious reasons. But I'm not a fan of Alice in Wonderland, and it always seems strange to me that movie made so much money, but not too much, I guess, because Johnny Depp Johnny Depp yeah. movie together in the first like post Avatar 3D movie. But that movie, it feels very impersonal to me. That's the difference, I think, between Oz and that. I feel like, I don't, I don't feel like I got a sense of like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland as much as Disney hired Tim Burton to make Alice in Wonderland. And it feels like Raimi really wanted to bring a lot of his love for the original Wizard of Oz as well as just his own filmmaking sensibilities to this film that seemed very apparent. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't get struck, I wasn't struck the same way with Alice in Wonderland. So, uh, good on you. Because <laughs> I was worried. I was worried it would feel like just kind of a generic studio movie that happened. To That's kind of where I was uh, when we first saw the trailer. But yeah, okay, let's go over the box office results for this week. Hooray! Week, 
Each week we go over the box office total to find out if our previous week predictions. I have this sneaking suspicion that I am going to lose this week. Do you remember what your prediction was? I said like $45 million first place. That's that's correct. Uh, Mr. Jim Dietz said $60 million first place. Alan Aguilar is at 53 I said $71 million, but not even I could capture the amount of money that, Al, that Oz the Great and Powerful made because it made $80 million this weekend at the box office. Wow. Which is quite <laughs> impressive. It um, almost almost doubles Abe's prediction. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he did not go big. He just went home. I just so. went home, yeah. Nike. Yeah. But, yeah, Al, Al, Oz the Great and Powerful made a, a pretty fantastic debut, and I feel like the film will have some legs. It'll probably make plenty. Of, I think internationally it already made, like, 60-something million, too. So it's already – What the production it, budget was? The, the budget is, like, 200-something million oh, with marketing. Okay. So it's certainly expensive, yeah. but it, it it's going to make that money. <laughs> it's – Oh, I want to see uh, Jack the Giant Slayer because Jack the Giant Slayer is a. This is a film that Jack the Giant Slayer should have aimed to to be like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that having said that, Jack the Giant Slayer dropped like sixty three percent this weekend, like only like ten million, so it's at forty three off of a another two hundred million dollar budget. Uh, Dead Man Down debuted in like fourth place at five million because no one really wanted to see Dead Man Down to begin with, and because it's R rated and coming out on the weekend mm. of another giant movie. And that's really all that's there. Life of Pi, uh, making money still. I just wanted to point that out. Is it, uh, it's in 12th place, okay. but it's like still kind of around. Silver Linings Playbook's still kind of around as well in the top 10. Oh. Um, yeah, just pointed out those movies that, you know, won Oscars recently. Right. And, uh, yeah. So let's see. Moving on. What time? What oh, time Aaron, I think it's, uh, some time for some games. Great and powerful this week, man. Great and powerful. That's that was me playing my my Oz stick. It's, it's that app That's that I have. Disturbing. I had thank you. I have uh, I don't know why I said thank you. I have a game. It is called Wicked Witches. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> I was I was response. waiting if there was more. <laughs> w- Wicked Witches, the game that I've created for this right. week's episode about now Baron and Abe. Um, this game, I basically, I have a description of several evil female characters, and you have to name what character that is, and that's pretty much it. There is a running theme to all these characters, which you might be able to figure out if you pay close attention. But, uh, here is the first one, and, you know, just shout out the answer, and, uh, I've got, I've got ten of these here. Okay. Hopefully this is easier than last week's game, which I think was easier than you guys are making it out to be, but... Here we go. Here's the first one. Quite evil and really into fashion, no matter the cost. The Devil Wears Prada. Incorrect. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, Cruella de Vil. Exactly, oh. Christian. You are on the board. Good job. Okay. Okay, next one. One half of an evil Soviet duo with a penchant for animal hatred. Mm. Evil Soviet duo? Yep. Hmm. With a penchant for animal hatred. Huh. One half of an evil Soviet duo. Soviet Two-Face. <laughs> <laughs> They're all women. Soviet female Two-Face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Pass. I'm getting the point on this one. Natasha Fatal from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Of okay. Boris and Natasha. 
Here's the next one. A multi-limbed menace with some underwater magic. A mul- oh, uh, Ursula. The fat chick from, yeah, from <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Chick. The fat chick. <laughs> Ursula is the correct answer. Abe, you nailed that one. Hey, we're all on the board. If you can think of the theme so far. Abe nailed her gross. Oh, man. Oh, Aaron, you you gotta, why you got to bring these up? You're the one that showed her your Oz stick. Going on. <laughs> she leads a group of sewer people but has ran into a storm of problems. Hmm. Leading a group of sewer people. What was the second part of that clue? But has ran into a storm of problems. Sewer people and storm? Hmm. I mean, off the first part, I would say April from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but those are sewer turtles and not sewer people. Yeah. Sewer mutants is a good way to free phrase it. <laughs> oh, it's the, the what's her name? The, it's from X-Men. Yes, and yeah. uh, she, um, not Scarlet Witch, not, uh, I know the team, but I can't think of the name, but it's her. Yeah, Callisto from X-Men, leader of the Murlocs. Yes, Uh-oh. that's it. Here's the next one. Again, if you discover the theme that's going on here. Not quite the greatest beauty out there of them all. I don't want to fall into the trap. <laughs> Not quite the greatest beauty of them. <laughs> this seemed like the easiest one to me. To say. That's because you wrote them. Not the greatest beauty of them all? It's uh the the it's from Snow White. It's the mean girl from Snow White. The Queen, exactly. Christian oh. got it. Okay, so it was, what's that it, character's name? It's just the Queen. Queen. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of which, a little like the last one, but with more horns involved. What? <laughs> the Queen with horns? Hmm. Just picture evil queens. With horns? Perhaps. Not really, perhaps, because I directly said that. <laughs> Evil Queen of Horns. Hmm. The Queen of England. Um. <laughs> uh, From another, perhaps, animated film. Yeah, I'm guessing that it is an animated film. Pumbaa. <laughs> <laughs> Another Disney princess film. I'm going through and Pumbaa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Man, you, Abe, you're losing to me right yeah, now. The Christian still in lead. The answer is Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, oh yeah. I was actually envisioning her, but I was thinking that she was related to Snow White. Yeah, it was like she's the only one with horns. Here we go. It, the queen for Snow White just is like straight up just looks like a bitch. Maleficent has like a horn crown going on. It turns to a, you know, it's all cool. Next one. A true beauty of earth that you wouldn't, of the earth, that you wouldn't want to steal a kiss from. True beauty of the earth that you wouldn't want to steal a kiss from? Because it might be deadly. Poison ivy? Poison Ivy is the correct answer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Here's 
Here's the next one. Do not look at her the wrong way, or at all, really. But Medusa. Medusa is the correct answer. Here we go. She has one true love, and they both love wearing makeup. Hmm. And kill people. That's the other, I should say that. They kill people. <laughs> Dead. Harley Quinn? Harley Quinn is the correct answer. <laughs> Here's the last one. What's the score so far? Yeah, I'd argue that depending on what uh, storyline you follow, Joker's not wearing makeup. So, bad question. You lose a point. Mike Smith. Right now, a Christian has four. Abe has three. Yep. So, this could be, this is a big one right here because yeah. that means I have to look up another question if Abe gets it right. Here we go. A liar, a manipulator, and a spud you once burned. Mrs. Potato Head. Very close. Mr. Potato Head's wife. <laughs> a liar, a manipulator, and a, a spud that you once burned. Hmm. A liar, manipulator, and a spud that you once burned. A very specific lie was given by this character. Are these three separate people, or are they the same person? Oh, yes, it's all the same person. A liar, manipulator... Person, in quotation marks. Uh. Actually, not a person. <laughs> At all. What? <laughs> I don't know. Some kind of vegetable. Uh. I, want a, I want a Thai Christian. Uh. Yeah, I know. This would be really good if you did. I'm blanking. I don't know. A liar, a manipulator, and a spud that you once burned. Maybe if you say the question one more time, I'll think of the answer. <laughs> the character is still alive. What? Hmm. Still alive. John Travolta's love interest from uh, Saturday Night Fever. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, oh, phew. The answer is GLaDOS from Portal. Oh, I've never played Portal. Christian, you have no excuse. A liar, a manipulator, and a spud you once burned. Uh, I guess that's all true. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, Christian Spicer, you are the winner of this sir. game. Witches. Nice. I, I, I would argue, though, that she's never the spud. The spud is just the power source for uh, your gun, Good right? This is an out now of semantics. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but this is your first time winning a game on Out Now, Baron and Abe. You should be very happy. Congratulations. I am. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we all, we, we're all high-fiving right now. Internet high-fiving. That's right. <laughs> that sounds like a punch. That's how my punch, my, you see what my high-five sound like. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the Out Now Presents What's Out Now. This is a list of things that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week that we might have checked out and talked about before. Life of Pi comes out this week on Blu-ray and DVD. Huh. And I know I'm a fan of that movie. Yeah. I wonder what is, – is it – I guess you have a 3D TV. Does it come out in, like, a 3D format? There is a 3D Blu-ray that will be coming out, which has more features than the regular Blu-ray. So if you wanted to get all you wanted to know about Life of Pi, go for that edition. Much like the Prometheus Blu-ray, which, uh, if you got the 3D version, it has more to it. Uh, Christian, did you see Life of Pi? 
No, I did not. It's a good one. Rise of the Guardians also comes out this week. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus has tattoos, yo. He's Russian. <laughs> and Jack Frost was a hoodie, much like that Nicholas Holt in Jack the Giant Slayer. <laughs> um, Hitchcock also comes out this week. I had moderate fun with this movie. I know some people didn't really like it that much, but it's okay. It's worth a rental, I would say. Um, a movie also called Smashed comes out this week. I want to point this out just because I really dislike Flight, and Smashed is the movie that I'd recommend over it because it similarly, invo- similarly involves a character with alcohol problems. Yeah, it's uh, Aaron Paul and uh, who's the... Uh, Mary, Liz- Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah. from uh, Scott Pilgrim and That Thing remake and other things. And Die Hard. And die and die and live for your die hard. And it was a good cast to it. it has Octavia Spencer, Nick Offerman, Megan Mullally. Like it's it's a nice little independent movie that comes out this week, so recommend that one. But uh Alright, let's go to next week. Next week we're talking about the I guess the incredible Burt Wonderstone. This is the magician rivalry comedy because the prestige was not hilarious enough, so we got another one. And it, it of course stars Steve Carell, Steve Buscemi, and Jim Carrey. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next week. What do we think is going to happen at the box office, keeping in mind that Oz the Great and Powerful did make a lot of money this weekend and will still be out next weekend? So here's a question for you guys. Have you guys seen a lot of advertising for Burt Wonderstone? I know I've seen, like, some some bus posters here and there, but in terms of, like, television advertising, have they been going strong on it? I would say I've seen a fair share of marketing for it. Okay, because... I haven't, I don't remember saying too much, but I still think, uh, Oscar and Powerful is going to be number one. Um, the drop off can't be that, or it's probably going to be 50%, but, um, it's, I still think that's going to be Burt Wonderstone. I think Burt Wonderstone will come in, uh, what's it competing against? Um, the only other thing coming out is The Call with Halle Berry. Spring Breakers isn't coming out? Spring, it comes out in very, in two theaters oh, okay. next week. Spring, it opens wide of the week after. Uh, I will say Burt Wonderstone will get, uh, PG thirteen. The call is R. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, yeah, I'll say second place with not very much. I'm gonna say like uh, twenty three million. Twenty three in second place. Yeah. Okay. Christian, any thoughts? Oh man, I'm always so bad at this. Um, so is it? So, so am I. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, Oz is gonna be number one. Um, those other two movies, just who cares? Like, no one, no one cares. Yeah. Wonderstone will be second. Um, and The Call, I, I don't even think, I think The Call might be like fourth. Yeah. Fourth or fifth. I don't even think it'll break into the top three. Halle Berry, no one really cares about her anymore. Um, The Call looks stupid. Uh, the tagline is, like, 911 calls are impersonal until it's personal or whatever yeah. the heck it is. Like, <laughs> great, fantastic. Um, so I'll say, I'll put that at fourth. At maybe like fifteen million, and Oz will probably hold strong. Maybe at thirty, thirty-five. What, what for? What for Wonderstone? Though? That's the one we're. And so yeah, Wonderstone. I'll say I think Wonderstone will break twenty, like twenty-one, something like that. Because I think people are. It's spring breakish. People want to go laugh. It has a good cast. I haven't seen trailers for it, but the posters are kind of cool, and I think it'll do okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna say second place as well, and I'll. I'll go 19. Oops. So I have the, I have a, I have a two hey, number race. gap. I have a two number gap here. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, and yeah, that's, 
What is that bringing us to? That's bringing us to the end the of this end week's show. episode. Yeah. It's having so much fun talking about Oz and stuff, too. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it this week for Out Now, Out There, and Abe. You can, of course, find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at ysoblue.com for all my blue reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. And Christian Spicer? Uh, ChristianSpicer.com on Twitter at Spicer and Uninformed Opinions is at UnOpPodcast.com, which is a show that Stuart Nocht, you might know as Wombat from GBS Gamer, and I do, where every week we pick a random topic and talk about it for 30 minutes. Last week's was Serial. Sometimes we do movies, video games, whatever, but sometimes we talk about fast food, and it's fun, it's stupid, and you should listen to it and be my best friend. Awesome. Cool. And you can, of course, find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, also at hhwlod.com, where you can find our show as well as the other shows on that network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast and Legion of Dudes, which talk about comics and games and TV and other fun stuff like that with a bunch of cool guys that I like associating myself with. Outnow.podomatic.com, you can find most of the newest episodes there and some exclusives. And the YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Podcast, where you can catch the, just the main reviews of the week, um, about 20, 30 minutes each. And, of course, you can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. I mentioned a contest earlier, and you can submit your answers to that email address, as well as any other thoughts that you had on possibly this episode, Oz in general, or other, you know, whatever. If you just want to shoot with us, who cares, right, man? It's just the <laughs> Outnow Podcast Gmail page. And, of course, speaking of shooting the you can feel free to do that at the facebook.com slash outnowpodcast Facebook group page and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. We can follow us there. We tend to like interacting with the various listeners for the show and, you know, have fun doing that. So feel free to go about your business on those pages if you want to. But yes, that will bring us to the end of the episode. So until next time, thank you, Christian, for joining us. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. Always fun. For sure. And so, so long. And goodbye.
everything needs to rhyme. If not, we don't have the time to talk about our views. Maybe the news kick it with something that rhymes with Oz. Oz. There it is. Take a dramatic pause. <laughs> no, we're talking about Oz.